Welcome to From Ashes to Beauty with John Ortberg. Each day, Monday through Friday, you'll find 10 minutes of relevant spiritual guidance on the kind of people we are becoming. Follow us on YouTube at becomenew.me or receive daily text alerts when a new episode is published by texting the word BECOME to the number 56525. Invite a friend to listen along by sharing this podcast or sharing the link becomenew.me. We're glad you're here. And now, here's John. Hey, you are in the right place. We are on this journey together to arrange our day so that we can go from ashes, from uh, sorrow, pain, repentance, to beauty, to Easter, to joy to God. And it's been a real deep experience. I've had a number of friends say, especially during this last week, uh, man, John, you are actually having to live what it is that you're teaching about. It's too bad that you're teaching about powerlessness and unmanageability and the cross and death to self. And uh, it has been very intense. And this week in particular has. Um, when Dallas was reaching the end of his life, he'd been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and he would have the most amazing thoughts like uh, saying, I think after I die, it might be some time before I know it because Jesus said the one that trusts him will never taste death. That flow of conscious thoughts will just go right on. And for the rest of us, it was like, all right, Dallas, you go on ahead. Like he's going into this uh, shadow land in between this world and the next one. And you're kind of our scout. So you tell us, what are you seeing? What are you learning? It was kind of a holy thing to watch. And this season uh, feels strangely similar in some ways. Not that I am like Dallas Willard. I cannot tell you the extent to which that is not true. But in some strange way that I don't understand, it's like teaching about things and then having to experience things that I have never experienced and don't understand and are incredibly intense and just make the need for and my dependence on God so crushingly real. And then my job is to talk about that some into this phone for a few minutes each day. And trust that maybe it'll be helpful to somebody. So that's what I'm doing. And today will be probably quite raw and personal and a bit messy. As some of you know, there are allegations that have been talked about over this last week uh, about me. Uh, they actually were written in a blog almost about three years ago, charging me and uh, four other colleagues in our old church back in Chicago with serious sexual misconduct. And I want you to know they are not true. They have no basis in reality. I have not and would not ever do any of the actions described there. And I know directly from my colleagues that they would say the same thing. It's very difficult and painful even to find language to talk about this. Partly that's because we live in a day where uh, the stories of misconduct and clerical abuse by leaders in the Christian world, in the church world, are hitting us in extremely fresh ways. And so often they get mismanaged or covered up by organizations or by churches. And that's the worst thing. That's the worst response. It's, it's hard to find a way of talking about it with sounding, without sounding either defensive on the one hand or demeaning. And I know firsthand how much courage it takes for a woman who has been the victim of abuse or clerical misconduct or violation to step forward. 
And uh, I would sacrifice a great deal to try to help there to be the courage for such people to come forward. And the last thing in the world I want to do is to make it more difficult for anybody in that situation. And so that's my journey today. And I thought in these few moments, I would uh, kind of give you a report from just what I'm learning as I try to live into what we're talking about as we look at, I can't, and man, I can't. But he can, and everything depends on the ability that God has to be able to, his competence and his goodness. And I think I'll let him, I'll surrender to him. But surrendering is sometimes thought to be a uh, uh, passive or acquiescent way of life. And my friend Sam was telling me this week, you got to tell people about the need for courage and surrender. So Sam, I'm going to do that. I was talking to another friend, Tim, and was saying, I just in the middle of this, I'm trying to uh, follow the way of Jesus and ask, what would Jesus do? And Tim said, uh, couldn't we ask, what would Peter do? You know, Peter's the guy that took a sword and lopped somebody's ear off and that sounds tempting sometimes, but it's not about what would Peter do. It's about Jesus. But often people under, misunderstand that. So uh, what's been very helpful to me in this season is uh, the serenity prayer. A lot of you will know that. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. And I pray that every day. Start with serenity. You know, the primary battle for me right now is just in my mind. And when I wake up in the morning, when I lie in bed at night to say, God, would you take over my mind? Some of you will know this book, You Are Not Your Brain, by a great uh, neuropsychologist and uh, Christian Jeffrey Swartz. And he talks about how we get these deceptive brain messages. They are not from our wise advocate, not from the Holy Spirit. And they can torment us. And their primary characteristic is not necessarily that they're factually untrue. It's that they create brooding or resentment or fear that causes us to spiral down into paralysis and defeat. And God never does that. God never acts in that way. In times of great emotion or stress, I most want to obsess about out there when I most need to look in here. And another friend said, uh, it's not about what happens to you. What matters is what you think about what happens to you. Everything does not hinge on what happens to you. It's what happens in you. And so the journey for me is to surrender internally. It's kind of like in this season, there's in here and out there and I'm tempted to obsess about out there, but I must begin with God in here. I must surrender in here so that I can do battle out there because I need the courage to change what can. I need the serenity to accept there's things that I cannot change. I have to accept my circumstances, but that doesn't mean that I surrender to my circumstances. I don't surrender to my fear. I don't surrender to my shame. I don't surrender to my worry. I surrender to God in here so that I can do battle in a spirit of humility and dependence, as I'm called to out there. I ask God, you know, in the serenity prayer, the most important two words are the first two, God grant. I can't. You can. I think I'll let you. God grant me serenity to accept and the courage to change. Serene acceptance, but also courageous change. 
Uh, there's a verse in Isaiah, the 50th chapter, that says, Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be put to shame. I have set my face like flint, for I will not be disgraced. Uh, honestly, sometimes when things have become so difficult, I just want to quit. I just want to stop doing this. I mean, about all I got is a phone in 10 minutes. and just feel like it's too hard. There's too much pain. And if wise friends say that's what you need to do, then I always want to be receptive to God with that. But I don't want to have a spirit of placating or giving into fear or taking the easy path. And in the Gospel of Luke, when we're told about Jesus, he surrenders to God. But that doesn't mean that he's passive. That doesn't mean that he's acquiescent. That doesn't mean that he's weak. It says about Jesus, he set his face like flint for Jerusalem. My friend Blues, Admiral in the military, used to say that in the military, you learn to run towards the sound of the guns, where the danger and the hardship is. That's where you go so that you can help, so that you can be with your friends. And so I'm asking God today, as I seek to uh, let go and surrender, I can't, he can, I think I'll let him for the serenity to accept what I can't change, but for the courage to change, to do, to face the things that I need to face, for I can face anything through him who strengthens me. And I just want to tell you that uh, a deep part of that, in addition to uh, God, is community. And honestly, is a lot of you. Uh, one of you, my friend Mike, this week sent me this picture, uh, along with the caption, you are not alone. We are the fellowship of the withered hand. And so we are. This morning, a couple hours ago, I was talking to my friend Chuck. Uh, I talked to him every Sunday morning. Uh, we became best friends when we were 15 years old that have walked through uh, life and marriage and birth and deaths and all kinds of stuff together. And I said, Chuck, part of what keeps me going is no matter what happens, I know that my wife loves me and I know that you have been my friend since I was 15 and you love me. And Chuck said, well, maybe, you know, if this stuff gets really, really bad, don't count on it. But, and I laughed and I cried. We are the fellowship of the withered hand. We walk through things together. And uh, there's a saying in AA, I get drunk, but we get sober. I'm afraid, but we have courage. I fall down, but we get up. I want to quit, but we persist. So that's the report from today. God grant me, God grant you serenity to accept, the courage to change, the wisdom to know. You surrender your life and your will, and you set your face like flint today. I'll see you tomorrow.